Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, Bibles today and turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and then also maybe put a little marker at Romans 7. We're going to look at a little bit at Romans 7 and Romans 8 today as well. In his book entitled Words We Live By, Brian Burrell writes about an armed robber named Dennis Lee Curtis who in 1992 was caught in South Dakota. Now, he wasn't just any kind of robber. He, uh, he was a robber who had some scruples, though. Because when he was arrested, the police found this piece of paper that was in his wallet that showed the code that he kind of followed for his thievery. So here's the code. He said, number one, I will not kill anyone unless I have to. Number two, I will take cash and food stamps, no checks. Number three, I will rob only at night. Number four, I will not wear a mask. Number five, I will not rob mini marts or 7-Eleven stores. Number six, if I get chased by cops on foot, I will get away. If chased by a vehicle, I will not put the lives of innocent civilians on the line. Number seven, I will rob only seven months out of the year. And number eight, I will enjoy robbing from the rich in order to give to the poor. Boy, isn't it good to know that we have thieves who have some scruples. That is weird. You know, he, he had this twisted sense of right and wrong. He had this twisted sense of law and justice and morals. <clears throat> but when he was uh, brought before the court of the land, was he judged by the rules that he had made for himself? I mean, was he judged by, okay, I'll only rob seven months out of the year? Well, I'd, I'd only rob seven months out of the year, so I'm okay. Was he judged by that? No, he was judged because there was a higher law. He was judged by the higher law of the state. You know, we like to come up with our own rules of what we think is right and wrong, what we think is moral and ethical. But there is a higher law that has been handed to mankind from God above. And it's by those laws that our lives are judged. Now, I know you say, hold on a second there, preacher. We're Christian. We're in the New Testament. We're under the New Covenant. We're under grace. We're not under law. That is very true. We are under the time of grace. But that doesn't mean that the law has no place in our lives. In fact, we could say the law has a very important place in our lives because it shows us how far we fall short. And it pushes us to the Savior that has been provided. And so I, I, I want us to look at the law and see the place that it has in our lives. We're going to look at what's commonly known as the Ten Commandments. The Ten Laws that were given at Sinai to the people of Israel. These are written down in a contract form, laying down the terms of relationship. And we could say we could look at these and see them as the foundation upon which the other laws of Exodus through Deuteronomy were built, similar to our Constitution 
being the foundation upon which our land's laws are built. And so, you know, you look at the Ten Commandments, and it does have a place for us in our day and age, even in the days of grace. And I want us to consider these laws today. And so if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word, I'm going to read Exodus 20 verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, as we see these things, I just pray that you would use them to do a work in our lives of conviction so that we would move closer to you and we would run to you for the grace and mercy that we need oh so terribly. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I want to consider three assertions about the law today. I want to make three assertions about the law. And number one assertion about the law is that we broke the law. Here, we just gave the law. This is the law of God. Guess what? We broke the law. You know, James in his epistle in James 2.10 said, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point is guilty of all. If you try and keep the law, and you break it in one area, you're guilty of the whole thing. You have broken them all. And here's the crazy thing. There's people out there who base their whole eternal state on thinking that, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven because I keep the Ten Commandments. I keep the golden rule. <coughs> I can keep all these things. They think that they can follow the letter of the law and be good with God, although they don't follow the spirit of the law, they don't follow the heart of the law. But they think, oh, I can keep the Ten Commandments and be good with God. The problem is, James says, well, no, you break one, you break them all. But here's the other problem. 
in all honesty, guess what? We've broken them all. Each and every one of us. And you ask, how can that be? What do you mean, I've broken all of the law? Who do you think you are, preacher, for telling me something like that? Well, let's consider the laws that are given. Let's take number one and two together. Number one, don't have any other God before the real God. Means that there's nothing <coughs> and no one who gets the preference in adoration and honor. It means nothing gets more attention or glory. There's nothing in our lives that we place at the same level as God. Number two speaks about making an image to represent God, which is wrong because there's nothing in creation that can do justice to representing the Creator. It's an insult to drag the Creator down to the level of creation. Again, He is holy, holy, holy. And so together, these first two commandments say we sh that <coughs> nothing should receive from us what God alone should receive. Or it's put another way, it's summarized by another law, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you don't give God what he deserves, or you give to somebody else what God alone deserves, that's called idolatry. You've set up an idol in your life. And if you have an idol in your life, you're an idolater. Guess what? There's no one here who has loved the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength probably ever at any point in their lives. There's always something that we have put on the same level as God. We're all idolaters. Well, let's consider number three. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number three, the name of God represents his character. It represents his attributes. It, it, to take his name in vain is to take his name lightly and thereby. Honestly, it means to take him lightly. It's to take his character lightly, frivolously, insincerely, to treat him profanely. You know, we think about the, the third one there, taking the Lord's name in vain, and we think it's just about cursing, using his name as a curse word. Now, don't do that. Because, yes, that is... is wrong and that is taking his name in vain and anybody else find it interesting how the devil works because the name of our savior is the only name used as a curse word you ever think about that i mean when somebody gets mad or gets excited you don't ever hear them say buddha you know they don't they use our lord's name in vain that's a trick from satan trying to lead the world astray. Nobody ever goes, oh, Muhammad. You know, they, they use our Lord's precious name in vain. They take it lightly because Satan and the powers of darkness want him to be taken lightly. But it just doesn't have to do with, with cursing. It's about taking his name and character into disrepute, not giving him and his character the reverence that is due his name, and to treat him lightly like that is blasphemy. Someone who commits blasphemy is a blasphemer. How often have we treated our Lord oh so lightly? We've broken that as well. Number four is about the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was Saturday. It was dedicated to the Lord, so no work was to be done. Now, we no longer are under the Saturday Sabbath. That is not applicable to the church. 
But what this does tell us is to set aside a time to cultivate our relationship with God and to show our gratefulness because of who he is and because of what he has done. And here's the thing. When we go weeks or months without spending time with God, what we're really telling him is, well, Lord, we know you're God and we know you did all this for us and we know who you are, but, but we just don't care. We're showing ungratefulness. There's no thanksgiving in our heart. Well, Lord, yeah, you're, you're great, you're awesome, but we just don't care. We don't spend time. We don't set aside that time to concentrate on him. Well, I come on Sunday morning church. Okay, do you spend any other time with the Lord? How often have we just been so ungrateful? You know, honestly, Purple Sunday, that coming up, that's the perfect time to remedy that. You know what? God has done some great things for me. God has done some great things in the lives of the people around me, and I'm going to honor him for it. You know what? We're ungrateful. We're human. We're like children. God has so blessed us, and we're ungrateful. No, I want more. I want more. God has done all this stuff. No, I want more. Oh, how ungrateful we are. We've broken that law. Number five says to honor our parents. To honor our parents means to obey them and show them the respect that they are due because they are the authority that God has placed over us. When we don't obey the authorities, the God-given authorities that God has placed over us, we're being rebellious. Now, let's face it. We don't like authority. We hate authority. We want to kick authority anytime we can. We want to go up against authority anytime we can. And it starts as children. It starts as children. We don't want to follow our parents' rules. And so we rebel. And guess what? All of us have broken our parents' rules. All of us kind of kick at God's authority in, in whatever way he sets it up and just even his authority. So guess what that means? That we're all rebels. We are rebels at heart. Number six says, you shall not murder. Now, you're looking at me and go, aha, I got you on that one, preacher. I've never killed anyone. Neither have I. That's good. I hope that continues. Keep that trend going if you haven't murdered anyone. But guess what? Jesus gave us an understanding of what this law means. It's not on the screen, but in Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. <coughs> but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. If you have ever hated or despised anyone in your heart, Jesus says you're a murderer in your heart. You know, that last part, whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. I've I probably said it out loud. I didn't even just think it. I may have said it 
said it out loud. And let's face it, I probably called people a whole lot worse than that in my heart, as well as maybe saying it out loud. Jesus says, when you do that, when you hate someone and despise someone like that in your heart, you're, you murder them in your heart. And when someone murders, they're called a murderer. Well, I think we've all done that. I think we've all hated and despised someone in our hearts. We're murderers. And then there's number seven, you shall not commit adultery. And again, you say, aha, preacher, got you on that one too. I have never, I've always been faithful to my spouse. I've never cheated on my spouse. Well, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verses 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You have any lust after anyone in your heart, you're an adulterer at heart. It's a heart issue, isn't it? Then there's number eight, don't steal. Don't take what is not yours. Have you ever taken a pen or other item from work? Have you ever had a time when you haven't returned something that you borrowed? Have you ever done something during your job's work hours that was not work-related and, you know, you weren't on break or something? Instead of working, you were on Facebook or playing games or whatever. I mean, and those are just some of the few examples of taking something that is not yours. Again, what do we call people who steal things? We call them thieves. Number nine, don't give false witness. Now, it initially speaks against telling lies about people, especially in a court situation. But by extension, it speaks about all lies that are told about others or by, you know, told to others. Have you ever gossiped? Have you ever told just a little white lie? Have you ever stretched the truth or exaggerated? The fish was that big. It really was. Mm -hmm. People who tell lies are called liars. Number 10 says, do not covet. It means not to envy something that is not yours. It means in your mind not to strongly desire something that is not yours to the point that you obsess over it. Or that you, you, want, you, you want it to the point where you want someone else not to have it. or you know, Something similar to that. You know, this is materialism, this is greed, but Paul has another word for it. That also is idolatry. So, look, just looking at those ten commandments, if we're all truthful with ourselves, we've just established that we're all a bunch of greedy, ungrateful, idolaters, blasphemers, rebels, murderers, adulterers, liars, and thieves. You know, I know you were thinking that, you know, I really want a positive message today. And now the preacher just called me a blaspheming, idolatrous, lying, thieving, murderer, adulterer, whatever. So, but that's the truth. That is the place of the law. By God's law, we are that. Now let me ask you, are you sure you want to stand before God and dare to say to him, yes, let me into heaven because I kept your Ten Commandments? Do you want to go there? Do you want to give that a try? No, <laughs> because we have broke them all. And there's no hope there. And, and so we see by looking at these commandments that we broke the law. Now, th there's a second affirmation about the law I want to make today. 
and that is we are condemned by the law. I know this isn't positive yet, just give me a little time here. We are condemned by the law. Now I want you to take your Bibles and flip over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, because Paul talks a little bit about, well, okay, what good is the law? I mean, what place does the law have? I mean, here we are, we're in the age of grace. What does the law have for us? And so in verses 7 through 14, I'm just going to have to take that small section, um, he, talk, he talks to us about the place of the law. Romans 7, verses 7 through 14, and it should be on the screen, Paul says, what then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and, and good. But did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. The law is good. The law is spiritual. The law is holy. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. So if I, I can give a quick synopsis of what these verses say, the law is good in the sense that it points out what sin is and it points out the sin that we committed against God and it points really to God's his character and his goodness and his holiness. But because we've sinned against God, he's telling us, well, guess what? You're condemned. You broke the law, therefore you are condemned. The wages of sin is death, and a perfect, holy God must give out justice. He must punish the guilty. He cannot be holy, holy, holy as was sung before. And then just kind of wink at lawbreakers. He wouldn't be holy then. The biggest problem that we experience with the law is that, well, one, I mean, not only just that it condemns us, but it can't do anything about our sin. It can't bring us closer to God. The law tells us we're sinners. The law tells us we've done wrong. But it doesn't tell us how to get right. Yeah, you're a murderer because you hated someone. You called them a fool or something worse. You're an adulterer. You lusted after someone in your heart. Well, what can I do about it? The law says, I don't know. All I know is you broke the law. And what Paul emphasizes here is that, yeah, it's impossible for you to keep the law because you're sinful. You have a sinful nature from Adam. Your flesh cannot follow these Ten Commandments. It's impossible by your nature. So the law condemns. It, it tells us about God, and it tells us about what he expects, and it tells us what we should do, but we don't. So now it condemns. Yeah, the law is a reflection of God's moral standard. The law is a reflection of God's character. But we've broken them, and we're condemned. And, and 
it, the law tells us there's nothing we can do about it. But I emphasize the word we. There's nothing we can do about it. Thankfully, there is good news in the midst of all this bad news. Because even though we could not do anything about it, God did. And so the third and final thing I just want to mention about the law is that we are set free from the law. We are set free from the law. And just flip the page if you need to, to go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Where Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Paul's saying, look, what the law could not do, God did by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I mean, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. We couldn't do it, so Jesus did. All the Ten Commandments were lived perfectly by Jesus. He fulfilled every righteous requirement of those ten laws amongst the other laws that are given in, in the Old Testament. But by his life, he lived that, but then he died, and he broke the power of sin. He paid the punishment that we deserved because we were condemned. He took our condemnation for us. We were condemned, and he took it for us, and now he frees us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit in light of those laws. We still don't, we still don't do them perfectly. But what the law couldn't do for us, Jesus did. But in order to receive those benefits, you have to trust in Jesus, not trust in yourself. You know, when I say trust in Jesus, I'm not saying just believe in some facts, like from a fact book, from a textbook, or something like that. Completely trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that he died for you and he rose for you. By faith and repentance, surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, God is not going to I guess one way to put it, it would be to dummy down the law. He's not going to water down the law just to accommodate you. Well, you know, I can't keep those Ten Commandments completely, so can God just, I don't know, a bell curve or a sliding scale or something, you know, change the laws so I'm not condemned? No. Because God doesn't change. His character doesn't change. Therefore, his law is not going to change because it's a reflection of him. You know, one, one author explained God's law this way. He talked about there being the law of the stop sign and there being the law of fire. Now, human governments, they can pass laws and then later on they can repeal those laws. So, for example, a city council could make a law that says, you know what, at this intersection, we're going to have a stop sign. But then years later, they say, you know what, we don't want to stop sign anymore, so we're going to change the law. So those kind of laws, they can come and they can go, it doesn't matter. That's the law of the stop sign. But then, this author said, then there's the law of fire. 
The law of fire says that if you stick your hand into fire, you're going to get burned. Now, every single human government on this earth could pass a law that says, you know what, fire no longer burns. And every president and prime minister can sign off on those laws. We have now made a law, <coughs> fire no longer burns. But then guess what happens when they stick their hand in a fire? It still burns. <laughs> because the law of fire does not change. It doesn't change for anybody. Guess what? The law of God does not change. It cannot change. It is a reflection of him and his morals and his character. We can't change them. He can't change them. And so guess what? There is no sliding scale. We have broken every single one of them by our nature. And if we are judged by our performance according to the law, there is no other verdict to be given other than guilty. We stand condemned. But thank God there's Jesus Christ. Y'all, he fulfilled the law that we couldn't. And yeah, we're lawbreakers, but he took the punishment in our place. And he gives us what we don't deserve. His righteousness, his law-keeping, is then transferred over to us. And we're given eternal life. You know, if today you think that you have a good standing with God because you followed the Ten Commandments, you haven't. And today is the day to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's why you need a Savior. And so when we have our time of invitation, I'll be up front here. Come and I, I'll introduce you to the Savior who, he's the one that followed the law because you can't. And he took the punishment you deserve because you're a lawbreaker. Come to Jesus, but Christian, not only can we not be saved by the law, we can't please God by the law. Again, for the same exact reasons. That's why we need grace. And maybe you just need to come to the altar today and receive grace. Free yourself from the burden of thinking, well, I, I, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I, I need to please God and I, I got to do it by trying to do this, 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 and, and this in my own power. Well, that's impossible. So free yourself from that burden and trust in Christ's work, in your life. Christian, maybe there's another burden that you're carrying and you just want to lay it at the altar. And maybe you just want to come and pray for the Ukraine today. Both sides need Jesus. Here's the thing, no matter what might be politically right and what might be politically wrong, as individuals, both sides are lawbreakers. Both sides need the gospel. Both sides need salvation. And pray that the gospel would go strong through all of them. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry at Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. 
our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.